So hello and welcome to another session of Mice Conversations. My name is Michael Collins from travelmedia.ie and today I'm delighted to be joined by Roger Dow who is President and CEO of US Travel Association. Roger, you're very welcome and thank you for joining us. Well, it's always good to be with you, Michael. I'm sad that it's virtual. I much more enjoy having a beer with you in person. I agreed 100%. Well, hopefully this is a I think we're getting towards the end of this virtual world and things are opening up very shortly. So it's a, an opportune time for us to be talking. I wonder, obviously I'm based in Europe and most of our audience here is based in Europe. So I wonder if you might set the scene for us in terms of what's happening in the US at the moment. Obviously it's mid-July 2021, you know, summer season is up and running and I'm intrigued to know how are things going in the US as in we know travel is happening in the US, but I want to know, are there hiccups, are there delays, are there you know, issues at airports with queues, et cetera, or is it running very smoothly? Uh, actually, it is it's running quite smoothly. The, the uh, domestic leisure uh, market has come back extremely strong. Uh, in fact, this, we had a holiday weekend a couple of weeks ago, and uh, basically they had the highest number of people that weekend, 10 million, to go through TSA uh, since January, 200 million Americans have flown. And the interesting thing is, despite all the talk, we have, cannot find one case where someone has said, I got on a plane and I got COVID. Uh, so it's come back. Now, we're having some uh, worker shortages, which is a, a, a problem, uh, which hopefully we'll address soon. So TSA has moved through a little more slowly than usual, but we hope to see that up and going very smoothly when we open up its international. Well, that's great to hear because one of the concerns here in Europe and in Ireland in particular is the fact that, you know, there is talk of there being delays and the additional paperwork that's required for travel. So it's great to hear that things are moving smoothly in the U.S. Can we move to international travel? Because obviously that is very important for both the U.S. and us here in Europe and obviously transatlantic travel uh, being key. And, and we know that things haven't opened up yet. What's your What are your thoughts on when Europe and the U.S. will be able to travel freely again. I hope it's uh, very soon. Uh, later this summer, uh, we've been working with uh, our government and uh, multiple agencies from transportation to Homeland Security, Commerce Department, and the White House. Uh, and we're also working with the U.K. government because uh, what we're trying to do is open the corridor U.K.-U.S., because our feeling is once that opens, the rest will follow very quickly. This is how life works. But uh, the Delta variant delayed things a bit. We thought we'd have an announcement just prior to the G7. And then uh, Boris uh, Johnson put off uh, any travel in the UK till July. But that's right around the corner. So I'm hopeful we can get uh, our governments to agree. Uh, the challenge we have, Michael, is the government's don't want to take much risk and they want everything perfect. And perfect is the enemy of doing anything. Uh, you and I get in the car every day. We know there's accidents, but we're willing to take that risk because we know it's extraordinarily small. And the same has to be with travel. We've got to go with the science and medicine and get the politics out of it. Yeah, agreed 100%. And I'm glad you used that example of the car. It's an example I use a lot is that life is not risk-free. Life is not perfect. And I, I sometimes wonder why drink you know, the COVID pandemic, we have decided to, you know, introduce this new concept of looking for, you know, 100% guarantee that everything will be safe. And life, unfortunately, is not safe. Can I ask you about the mice industry? Here in Europe, we've we've written off mice for 2021. There's in reality no business happening and nobody trying to plan anything. The focus is on 2022. Um, 
Is that the same in the US? Is, is the meetings industry going to take place in 22? Um, or is there still a bit of caution in the market? We're seeing it begin to come back uh, the past month or two. I've been at multiple meetings. Uh, uh, MPI had their meeting in Las Vegas, and they had over 1,000 people show up. Uh, and we're having uh, several meetings ourselves. And uh, in fact, the numbers are larger than we expect. Uh, but the challenge we have is uh, corporations allowing their people to travel, uh, a reticence to travel, and uh, the uh, virtual world's going to be with us a little while. I expect uh, the last quarter to be a good quarter, not a great quarter for mice. And then I expect 2022 for it to begin coming back very strong. And I think it will. I think I don't agree with the procrastinators that say, uh, procrastinators that say it's going to be 25. Uh, I, I think we're going to see a strong 2022. You can't replace face-to-face. You and I are okay doing this virtually because we know each other. Yeah. If we didn't know each other, this would be a more awkward conversation. Yeah, agreed. And Terry, it's great to hear that there are events taking place in the, in the U.S. already, and I think people will find comfort in that looking at, at what's happening. Um, what are the protocols around those events that are taking place, the live events? Is there you know, still social distancing or is there testing on top of that as well? Uh, in many areas, uh, one of the challenges we have, Michael, is it varies from state to state. And uh, it's one of the problems we have internationally. It varies from country to country. But right now, Las Vegas, for example, Las Vegas is wide open. They've done away with distancing. Uh, they're allowing uh, you know, full capacity. Uh, I am speaking to you right now from Florida, where our uh, Tampa hockey team won the Stanley Cup uh, recently. And they had a full arena, full. And uh, so, so Florida's been wide open. California is starting to open. But uh, I think we're to a point where California, New York, and Nevada, two very important states, have gone like Florida now and are open, allowing uh, mice meetings to open up uh, full bore. But that was not the case a few months ago. Okay, well, that's good to hear. Um, but there are variances and differences from state to state, so worth noting that. Um, I mean, in terms of how things will come back, I mean, we're aware that, that travel is opening again, but... For you, has has the industry changed? Has the travel industry changed? As in, you know, we talk about or we hear words such as sustainability and so on. And, you know, do you think we're ever going to go back to where we were in 2019? Or do you think we all really have genuinely changed? I mean, I'm, I'm always, you know, on the fence about this. Sometimes I'm one view, then I'm the other in terms of trying to actually decide, will we actually go back? Because I think there are people who just want to rush back as fast as they can and get business you know, back to the levels. Or have we learned anything? I think it's going to be a, a mixture. Uh, it's going to come back more slowly. We're going to have this combination when it comes to mice of live and virtual. Uh, actually, I think there's a, there is a silver lining here because uh, we've learned to do virtual fairly well. Uh, I've been on uh, virtual uh, Zoom calls uh, with up to 12,000 people. So I think the plus is going to be is uh, planners are going to be able to figure out how to extend their audience and how to get more people to attend. And those people attend virtually and then say, hey, next year, I'm not going to miss being there in person. Uh, I think it will come back a little slowly. There's hesitancy. But I think once people start sharing the word with their colleagues, that everything was safe, that they got much more out of the meeting, I think you're going to see it come back. We've seen in the past that same thing happen. September 11th, they predicted no one would get on an international flight for decades to come. And the greatest years of international travel. 2008, we had this monster recession. 
they said one third of the hotels would be closed, never to open again, followed by the 10 greatest years of travel from 2009, 2019. So I'm more of an optimist. I think it'll come slowly, but I think you cannot replace face-to-face and the business that gets done at MICE meetings. It's not just about what you learn in adult education, but it's the products are sold. If we don't have international buyers coming to U.S., our you know, we're not going to sell our computers, our, our factory equipment, and our products. They'll go somewhere else and buy those products. Yeah, agreed. Face-to-face is definitely, you know, it's just, it's human nature. And I don't think you can change sure. that. No matter what technology comes along, that won't change our instinct and, and our, you know, how we behave and interact as humans. Tell me, do you think anything as good has come from the pandemic? Have we learned anything about ourselves and about the industry that, you know, will actually benefit from it. I mean, I know the pandemic at, at a very base level has been a disaster for both industry, in particular travel, and obviously for so many people who have been sick. But, you know, do you think we've learned anything that will, will come out of this better? Yes. Before I answer that, I'm going to go back to one part that uh, you asked about. Uh, I, I think uh, when uh, travel does come back, it's uh, going to be coming back uh, quite differently than before. Uh, and we're going to see that. Uh, but what have we learned? Uh, the things that we've learned are, one, uh, technology has been in a position that we can do touchless very well. So I think one of the things you're going to see uh, going forward is a much more uh, rapid adoption of biometrics. Uh, there's the privacy issues, but I think we can get over that, uh, even opt-in if you'd like. I mean, I'll give you my high school grades if I can get through, and they weren't very good, if I can get through a line more quickly. So I think the touchless, your 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 mobile phone will uh, check you into a hotel, actually probably even open your room, uh, the way you pay your bills. Uh, I also think that people, have, the, the standards of hygiene are, they've always been high, but they're much higher. Uh, the, the airflow systems, the all the things we've learned. The food service, uh, I've seen outstanding food service. I've actually seen buffets come back, but come back in a different way uh, with some plastic shields and servers uh, giving you the food. But I think they're the kinds of things we've learned. And we've also learned that uh, we have to learn to live with this uh, just as everything else in the world. And I think that's a lesson that's slowly being learned, but I think we'll look back and say, we were probably a bit more draconian than we should have been on all the lockdowns and shutdowns for as long as they lasted. Yeah, agreed 100%. And I think learning to live with this virus um, is key. And I think governments are slowly realizing that, maybe some of them here in Europe a bit too slowly. And, and talk to me about trends. I mean, there's all these new words that have come along during the pandemic, like, you know, bubble tours, for example. Um, do you think, you know, uh, what what trends are you seeing that you think will, will stay and or will stick in terms of, you know, sustainable tourism, mindfulness, uh, another trend I see a lot of people talking about is, you know, rural versus urban. There'll be more tourism in, in rural areas. There's no question about that. We've seen the areas beyond the metropolitan markets do extremely well. Uh, the beach locations, the mountain locations in the United States, the national parks are sold out. You can't get into the national parks. They are full uh, more rural destinations. And so the smart destinations are going to be marketing beyond just the usual in city destinations. Uh, one of the things I, I think is going to happen is this uh, over-tourism is going to come back and be a factor. Uh, we've had it uh, 16 months, 17 months with no tourism. And uh, we, we track this very carefully. And destination analysts, a group that we use, uh, last two months ago, people were saying 33% of the people said, we're not really uh, want the tourists in our, in our town, in our city. 
a month later, as tourism was coming back, it jumped to 43%. So I do think you're going to get pushback. And we've got to be really smart as an industry on the what we call over tourism and spreading people out. We also have to do a better job talking about the things we're doing. Uh, the hotels, the restaurants, the airlines are doing great things and really from sustainability. But I don't think people know that. I think they look back at our industry, especially from the air part of it and saying how horrible air transport is. In reality, you put uh, 250 people on a plane, it's far more efficient from an uh, economy, uh, from the uh, ecological standpoint than if those 250 people got in a car and drove to the destination. So do you think the challenge is maybe for the industry is communication, as in, you know, we've got to communicate to the, the buyer, to the public that, you know, you want a sustainable product. Well, this actually is what we're doing. Or you want to go to a rural destination where you feel that your team, your staff will be safer. And maybe that's a product that didn't exist before. And the challenge now for the industry is to communicate that. I think so. I think those that communicate as they had years past in the same way are going to lose out to those who are more creative, selling other parts of their destination, uh, the unseen area. Uh, Europeans especially like to discover things and they like to go back and report to their friends that they were first to do it. And yeah. so I think it's a big opportunity uh, to promote uh, to our overseas friends uh, beyond just the gateways and the other things you can see. But we have to totally change our communications, how we talk about tourism. Uh, I have often said to our destinations, stop talking about, we set another record. It makes no sense. I know that they want their constituents to know they're doing a good job, but every time the headline is record tourism, that just fuels the flames of people saying, isn't enough. Should we, should we stop it? Should we tamp it down? So I think we've got to learn a whole new dialogue, how we use words and a whole new way of communicating. And we've got to tell the world all the things we're doing right. Otherwise, will be, instead of being, uh, you know, on the menu at the table, uh, excuse me, at the table, we're going to be on the menu. And that's, <laughs> we don't want to be there. Yeah. And, and as somebody who's worked in media for many years, I think the media have an important role to play in this and to, to expand their horizon in terms of what they're, you know, reporting on. And often, you know, as somebody who's been in the travel media space for 20 years now, I'm always asked, you know, what's your favorite place, Michael? People know I've traveled extensively. And I tend to say, well, I'm not going to name a, a famous city or a famous, you know, country. I'm going to name somewhere where you had a brilliant experience, you know, and I'll say, that's why I enjoyed this destination because of the experience. And I think that's, I think that's a brilliant way for, for destinations to, to communicate, is to talk about the experience, not necessarily, you know, you're going to go to this famous city, this famous theatre, this famous, you know, whatever it is, museum. I think the, the experience is now very, very important. Yeah, everyone you speak to, when they come back and they report on a holiday or a meeting they've attended, they don't talk about, oh, I, I saw the Grand Canyon. No, they talk about the quaint little restaurant they found where yes. this, a fabulous couple took care of them and actually prepared the food, or this tour guide they had that made them feel so special because he spoke their language. Uh, and I think it's the experiences that far outweigh just the places themselves. Yeah, and I think therefore everybody has an opportunity. As in, you know, the smallest town in the U.S. can offer that. You don't have to be, you know, a New York or a Chicago to offer that experience. You know, it's the personal experience. Can we move on to uh, vaccine passports? That's very topical here in Europe at the moment. 
On the 1st of July, all of Europe introduced the digital COVID certificate. And I'm aware that President Biden has said that uh, he does not plan on introducing a COVID passport for the US. What, what does the US industry think of what Europe is doing by introducing COVID passports? We think uh, it's, if Europe is going to do this, it's probably a good way to start travel. Uh, but we do know that a percentage of people will never be vaccinated for some reason. It could be as high as 30% uh, that won't be vaccinated. So we want to be careful. We don't start the slippery slope of the only way you can get on a plane is to be vaccinated. Uh, there's a lot of medical science that says if you've had COVID and recovered, you have antibodies that make you just as safe as someone's had a vaccine. Uh, it may be a combination of vaccinated people, uh, uh, those who have had uh, COVID and recovered, uh, PCR testing before you travel if you don't want to do that. I think we need a myriad of ways you can come. We're, we, U.S. travel and our government, are opposed to having a vaccine passport. It's fine if they want to do that in the EU. Uh, it could be a nightmare. We've been trying to get something in the United States called Real ID, and that's a driver's license that has your background on it. And we've been talking about it for 10 years, and we still don't have it in some states. So I can imagine how hard it would be to get a vaccine passport. I, I think we're going to have to trust people, show, show your card, you've been vaccinated. Uh, if you've got the Europeans doing their vaccine passport, great. Uh, hopefully, you know, we will accept that, and, uh, but other ways of traveling. I think it's a very slippery slope to start demanding that the only way you can travel is if you've been vaccinated. Because I think when this uh, COVID dies down, and it will, we've seen yeah. this every single, whether it's been Ebola, uh, whether it's been SARS, swine flu, they all go away. Yeah. Something else comes along years later. But the bottom line, I don't want to see things get in place that will last for decades. And we're saying, why are we doing this still? Uh, I remember uh, when you used to have to get on a plane and say, has anyone given you a package to carry? <laughs> we did that for 20 years in the U.S. No one ever said someone gave him a package to carry, but exactly. <laughs> yeah, no, agreed. And it, it's good to hear, actually, that that, that is not uh, the thinking in the U.S. because, you know, already we've run into difficulties here in Europe. So, for example, you know, a lot of countries, the adult population is now fully vaccinated. But the problem now is it's July and August and you've got families going on holidays and you've got kids, say, for example, teenagers, you know, so two parents, two kids. Parents are fully vaccinated, but the kids aren't. So we're seeing all these teething problems appear, you know, that nobody ever really thought about or sat down and considered properly. So there are there are many drawbacks to the the uh, the vaccine uh, passport. Yeah, and and the science we keep saying follow the science, follow the medicine. The science says absolutely, young people uh, are not uh, prone to you know getting hospitalized or killed with this disease. It's you know, older people that have pre-existing conditions are in danger, and we should treat that uh, versus, you know, the blanket of you know, having young people uh, be vaccinated. Uh, and I think that's a very good example that you've made. Yeah, no, agreed. Can we lastly kind of move on to connectivity? I mean, both you and I have flown Dublin to Miami with Aer Lingus previously, and obviously that route does not exist at the moment. And, you know, uh, the question is, when will it come back or will it come back? And I know there are many routes that I've flown before, both out of Ireland, out of the UK and even France and elsewhere into the US that, you know, are unlikely to come back or might take years and years to come back. I mean, that that is definitely going to have a big impact, you know, on the mice industry and the broader travel industry. How do we as an industry, I suppose, work with airlines, with airports and government to try and restore a lot of that kind of connectivity? Because, I mean, at the end of the day, if there isn't connectivity, there isn't travel. There's no question about it. And, uh, 
you mentioned that Aer Lingus route. Uh, I have flown it. I found it much easier to fly that to go through pre-clearance on the way back to the U.S. than uh, going to Heathrow. Uh, so uh, that's a route that I would love to see come back because it's a great route and it's a great airline. Uh, the other thing that we have to have is make sure there's enough capacity. United Airlines just said they're buying 200 more uh, jets and another couple of from uh, Airbus. Uh, so I, I think that's a plus of getting capacity. But what has to happen is each destination has to make the case of look what you're missing. Uh, I just was recently at the uh, Roots Conference where airlines and airports get together and argue whether an airline should serve this market or that market. And they try and convince the airlines that they should serve this airport. So it's very important that we have the numbers and we can show the data because uh, the airlines will follow wherever the money is. If there's a lot of passengers, they'll get there. It may take a little longer than we'd like, uh, but I think those routes that have been proven in the past to be very successful will all come back because they've got a track record. Yeah, well, hopefully the sooner the better. I hope it doesn't take too long. And, and Roger, lastly, can I just ask for your thoughts going forward? Are you uh, positive or negative going forward? I'm guessing you're positive, but what are your thoughts on how you know we're going to recover and how 2022 is going to pan out? I am, uh, I am very positive, not because I head up the U.S. travel industry, but because I've seen this game before. I, when it goes all the way back to teleconferencing, uh, I was working at Marriott at the time, and teleconferencing came out and everyone said, oh my gosh, this is going to end the mice market. People would just sit at home and in front of their computer screen. Didn't happen. It means the market got bigger. And I think, so I'm very optimistic that we will see it come back. I'm not optimistic that we're going to see it come back as strong uh, this this year, but I am optimistic come 2022, a lot of the pundits are going to be surprised by how strong this market comes back and say, wow, uh, travel market, mice market surprises everybody in its strength and the willingness of people and the desire to travel and meet face-to-face and do commerce that way. Yeah, well, look, that, that's great to hear. And I think we as an industry need to be very positive going forward because, you know, in, in reality, there's been a lot of people who, you know, the only messaging they've heard from their government over the last year plus is stay at home, don't go out, stay away from other people, you know, social distancing, etc. And that has to have had an impact. And I think we need to reverse that communication now, both in, as an industry, and I think our governments need to do the same as now come out with very positive messaging saying it is safe to travel. So that, that is good to hear. Well, Roger, I have to thank you for your time today. Really appreciate it and a very interesting conversation. So everybody watching and listening, this has been Roger Dow, who is president and CEO of US Travel Association, talking to us today on Mice Conversations. Thank you, Roger. Michael, it's always a pleasure. And I hope that I'll see you in person at IPW in Las Vegas in September. We're holding a spot for you. Thank Excellent. You. I'm, I'm planning on it, Roger. Thank you. Thank you.